This is Dollars and Sensibility with Tom Stone. And we're gonna talk about what you really want. And at the end of the day, how to get what you really want is to understand money. Guild Mortgage, NMLS number 3274, Tom Stone, NMLS number 257849. The information contained in these podcasts are for educational purposes only and do not necessarily express the opinions of Guild Mortgage. Welcome to another episode of Dollars and Sensibility. This is Tom Stone, and I'm going to go solo on this one. Uh, I just, I wanted to do it now because of the timing. I wanted to do it uh, maybe from a a standpoint of where I sit from my chair, from my 30 years almost of doing my job. And I don't know what qualifications that really gives me, but I do want to give you the perspective I have. My job is a little unique. My job is where I sit down and I talk with people on a daily basis and they expose everything to me. I hear and see everything from credit reports to divorce decrees, <laughs> pay stubs, tax returns. And then I always ask these kind of questions. Well, what's, how do you feel about that? You know, we talk about, do you want to move or not? And what kind of house do you look for? Is this refinance a good thing? So my job is mixing both financial information, of course, monetarily and psychologically, emotionally, because buying a home, building a home, even refinancing is exceptionally emotional. Just as an example, I did a cash out refinance. That's where I pull money out of their house and I paid off some consumer debt just last week. And someone says, well, why is someone doing that in an economy where the rates are up? Well, it's because it's been hanging on to them for a long time. They've been trying to refinance for going on two plus years and just circumstances. Life has circumstances, things that didn't think that they didn't see coming. And they were given some advice that gave them some derogatory credit that made them wait. So even with that, a higher interest rate, getting rid of consumer debt, and that's usually credit cards, those kind of things, the relief and the tears of somebody who could get rid of those debts, start over feeling is pretty enormous. That's just an example. So no one really knows the circumstances of someone else until you go through it. And I have this front row seat where I can sit in here what's really going on. I always tell people that, you know, what do you do for a living? I say, well, I verify for a living. That's what I do. There's a lot of people that say that guy is so rich or that person is this or that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this about them. And it's what they see. It's what they see them drive. It's what they see them, uh, where they live. It's where they, what they do maybe on social media. Oh my goodness. They're so happy or they're so not happy or whatever it is. And in my life, I sit down and see facts and actuals and I verify. And that sounds negative. It's actually very positive because when you get to the point of truth, when you get to the point of, hey, this is what we're really dealing with. Let's go forward. And the phrase that's used in my office and I think in the industry is uh, putting your head in the sand. So many people just go on as fast as they can, doing what they can, wanting to be as happy as they can. But, you know, the details of their life, the little things that are just kind of like they push aside, we put it under rugs, <laughs> we do these kind of things. And then when, when things hit, they go, oh my goodness, how did I get to this position? Or my life just is working out for me. And I always say again in my industry, the devil's in the details. You've got to read the fine print. You got to understand those little teeny words at the bottom. And people say, I just understand it. Well, come in, I'll show you, I'll teach you. It's not as hard as you think. You understand and some, excuse me, understand some basic 
definitions and some understanding of things, return on investments, uh, for example, for a business term, or APR, annual percentage rate, these kind of things help you understand. Now, as that preface, I want to talk about recession. I want to talk about recession. And people, when they hear that, they go, oh, no. Well, here we go again. And I say, why? And I think it's because we put our head in the sand, because we don't understand the terminology, and because we think it's a negative thing. Please understand that the folks that I've seen, both normal Joes and very, very successful people, who understand a recession are the ones who act when a recession comes. They almost say, whew, got a little relief. Business isn't going as fast as it was. We're going to take a little break. We're going to analyze, and then we're going to plan accordingly purchasing things, uh, maybe downsizing things. It's, it's a great time to restructure, to look at things. And they look at recessions as this horrible and negative thing. Well, it, it can be if you don't understand the terminology and if you're not prepared because you're just, oh, here we go again. And then why are we relying on the news to tell us what a recession is or is not? I've been studying it out. It actually says here that it's really hard to define a recession and they really can't even define a recession until after it's over. So, so what are we doing to ourselves is what I say. I honestly believe in being very factual. Again, I verify for a living. I believe in being very calculated, understanding the math about what I'm doing, but with that be very optimistic because if you know, it's going to be okay, no matter what happens, I just, whatever's going to happen, I know it's going to be okay. I just know it's going to be okay. Is a really fantastic place to live. And when I have 30 years in the business that that has worked for me, I now have evidence, at least in my own life, where I say, well, I just know I've done it before. I've made it through. I know I can do it again. And I've prepared this time. Or, oh, I can see the things that happened last time. They're happening again. Or I can see that the things said, excuse me, that other people said were going to happen and they didn't. So it's not just a trust factor. It's just people are guessing the best they can. The definition of recession is only or the measurement, I should say, of a recession is only done after the fact. Isn't that interesting? This is right. You can look it up. Investopedia, if you want to go look it up. They don't really know. Now, with that said, they've studied recessions since, you know, why in the world they go to 1865, I do not know. But I guess it's just fact and history. The average U.S. recession since 1857 lasted 17 months. Okay, I'm letting that settle for a second. Although the six recessions since 1980 averaged less than 10 months. Okay, so hold on a second here. Let's just maybe put that in perspective. By all means, if a recession lasts 10 months or 18 months, 17 months, that's a long time in some respects if you're not prepared, if you don't have savings in the bank, if you lose your job, right? Well, be prepared. Look accordingly. Put some savings in the bank. And by the way, one of the mentalities with that is, so I always, another podcast I have is, is debt elimination, a financial strategy? Is it an investment strategy? I say, mm, uh, it's in there, but it should be the last step. And I know that someone could disagree with me and that's fine. That's why we're in America. But if someone is putting all of their extra cash into paying off their mortgage faster, they're trying to get it paid off in 10 years instead of 30, but they don't have any money in their bank. What happens when the recession comes? You can't pull that money back out again unless you borrow against it. But if you locked in a really great rate in the last couple, three years, and you have some savings in the bank, 
I would look at it and say, how long should I have? Well, recessions last about 10 months, they say, since 1980. So can I last for 10 months, whether that be savings, stocks, bonds? Uh, of course, I highly recommend rental real estate because people need to rent in tough times. I don't think 10 months is that long. That's kind of where I'm going with this. Let's understand the time frames of how long we have to just, you know, grind through this. But 10 months is also this ideal time frame to plan, to put together something because if you're going as hard and you as fast as you can to keep up in your job or your business, you usually don't take the time to say, okay, your head's down, you show up every day, you go as fast as you can. You're not really being able to stop, pause, kind of get your head up out of the, the work day and say, wait a second, let's, let's plan ahead. Let's think about, can we do this differently? Should we adjust? We keep doing the same thing every day. Again, that whole thing, what is the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing every day with expecting some sort of different result. So I think a recession is the perfect time to sit back and say, okay, for me and mortgages, just so you know, this particular time frame, we're calling it a recession in our industry. Others are not. It's interesting because we went through a zero. I mean, I've never had myself had loans stop so quickly. And again, it isn't that the markets change. There's still a high demand. It's just that because rates went up so fast, people are sidelining. They're just waiting. Is this the time to go? I don't know. Is this time to go? I don't know. So I had to be prepared for that. But I kind of like it because my own personal competition, my number one competition, he said, I'm out. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. This is I can see better, better places to make some money. Cool. Let other let so many people last I heard, I think I was at 30 or 40 percent of my workforce. Uh, my competition has gotten out of the business. Sweet. That works for me. So, well, yeah, well, geez, you know, coming in, how are you going to ever make you know, work when, you know, prices are so high or rates are so high, you know, when this comes back, I don't know. I have heard that for 30 years. I've heard that for 30 years. I heard that the first day I started rates were 9.125% in September of 1994 when I started doing mortgages. And my advice, I called someone who was in the industry and I said, Hey, I've got this opportunity. What do you think? And he said, man, you missed the boat. We just had this refinance boom where a bunch of loans came and now rates are at nine something. I don't know this is the best timing for you. I'm just out of call, fresh out of college. I really had no other obligations. And I was like, well, I'll still give it a try. See what happens. Yeah, 30 years later, worked out well for me. You'll always hear those people. Everyone's going to say the sky is falling. It's a recession. But again, let me remind ourselves, there is no real true definition of recession. Okay, there is. But it's it's basically the uh, peak, the the curve, uh, the economy is is peaked and it starts going down, and the end of it is what they call a trough, and the trough of the economy starts going up. Now, if you want to research this, there are some people in some industries that feel differently. They actually called the 2020 time frame, that beginning of 2020, a recession. Now, the time frame of that recession, two months. Two months. Really? That's a recession. Well, it was a peak in a valley of some sort, trough, I guess you used to say. That was the best time ever in my industry and many others in like my industry, but restaurants really had a tough time. So keep in mind, what is my industry? What's going on? And then here's where I want to go with this whole recession conversation. What are people thinking? What is the perception? And one thing that people understand about the economy or maybe don't fully understand the economy is it's based on perception. It's a psychology. Are people confident? There's a consumer confidence index, for heaven's sakes, that they really rely on. 
what are people doing? Are they out buying or are they not buying? And with them increasing the interest rate, them being the Fed, they're just trying to keep us at home instead of the, the shopping mall and the, the, auto part, the auto store. They're just trying to keep us from purchasing so much because demand was so high. Now, I am going to do a little bit of a, yeah, come on now, comment here. I try to avoid that, but I think it's worthy. The reason that we're in this position, the reason the Fed is increasing rates like this is because the Fed's decreased them so much. Now, they were doing the best they can based on what they thought, you know, and, and their people were humans. Keep in mind, these everyone we're dealing with are humans and no one has a crystal ball, right? So they do the best they can in the time they do. Well, there's certain people in certain chairs that it really affects so many other people. So we have a little more of a, hey, wait a minute, I think you need to think twice about that. When they put rates to zero, and that's where banks can get money, basically. Banks can borrow from banks at zero. During COVID, making mortgage rates in my world so low, rates were twos and threes for heaven's sakes. Car loans were twos and threes kind of a thing. And it's like, man, this is so awesome. Of course, everyone on the other side of that that's trying to get investments, you know, sometimes those investments are a little less. But keep in mind, businesses were flourishing during that time. And so your stocks were going crazy, you know, 15, 16, 7% return. So there's some extremes there, right? Well, now they've gone the fastest, or the, the largest and fastest increase in interest rates since ever. We beat out 1984 a few months ago. And here's where we sit. It rates at, you know, sixes and sevens, a couple of eights. It depends on what kind of products and loans and credit you have. Here we sit and we say, man, this is really high. And then, of course, someone else says, well, I remember when rates were 16%. Let me tell you the difference that's happened here and why their move, I think, is not good. Yes, they were 16% and there were some negatives going on there that they've done better and we're not that high. But the problem is they went so fast. That's the problem. The problem is they went so dramatic in their increases to try and get ahead of this inflation. They even said in their um, precursor conversations about it, you know, we know there'll be some, some things that will fall in the meantime as we do this. But we're okay with that. That's kind of what they said. And here we have bank failures. Now, a bank failure is the ultimate cause of a depression, uh, at least one of the major causes, causes of a depression, which those are hard to come out of, right? Recessions are healthy, I'll be honest with you. They're actually a very positive thing if they're done right. The issue I have with this one, the thing that I have concern about this one, is this one is very artificial. It was caused, you know, by this 0% the Fed went down to to make sure we were still running during COVID. And now they're raising it higher than we've ever had before, trying to slow it down. That's not market driven. That's not free enterprise. And yes, they have a place. I think there should be some regulation, of course. Now, I'm not trying to get too political. I'm just telling you, as we talk about recessions, just know what's going on. Oh my goodness, what does this mean? It means somebody turned a switch and raised the interest rates. That's all it means. And then what, what that does to the psyche of Americans, especially those who haven't been reading, studying, pre or preparing. Oh, I'm worried. Oh, I'm upset. There are some people who've lost their job. Again, my industry, we have downsides. A lot of people lost their jobs in my industry. Why? Because people are sidelined. They're not buying their houses. They're not refinancing. Rates are up. So we don't have as much demand. We lasted for a few months, but we're going on, uh, we're going to be going on a year here for a while and companies just can't hang on to all those employees. Uh, and like our, like anyone else, our, our bottom line expense, number one is employees. And so that's 
That's the one you hang on to because they're the most valuable asset you have, but they're also the biggest liability, generally speaking. So you have to be careful how that works. By the way, if you're going into the industry, if you're getting a job just out of college or, or any sort of vocation, my personal opinion, I'll do another podcast, podcast on this is, is it safer to be the person who gets that job or the person who creates the business? I lean towards the latter because you're the one making the decisions instead of being a pawn. By no means am I trying to diminish the role or the decision of somebody because they say I'm more comfortable doing the job. That's fine. Please be aware where you fit in the economy. That's all I'm saying. Just be aware of where you fit in the economy. So if a recession is not really being able to be measured per se until after the fact, and there's a whole lot of factors, we can talk about all sorts of acronyms of gross domestic product, GDP, or I mean, I can look up the, the terms. It doesn't matter to us normal Joe folk. We're just saying, hey, I lost my job or hey, I'm not getting as many deals for the door. Why? What's going on here? And then honestly, for me, I say, well, if the average since 1980 is 10 months, and they keep getting shorter, by the way, they keep getting shorter. Hmm, well, I just need to last a little longer. I need to prepare accordingly. And then what happens is, especially in my industry, people are sidelined. They're still We're still 4 million units short, means houses. We're still 4 million houses short for the demand. So people are still renting, staying in mom's house, staying in their dorms, maybe not getting married yet. They're, they're just sidelined. They're not making decisions yet until all of a sudden someone's going to feel like, oh, I think we can. They start seeing things happening, and then they go again. I know economy sounds so much more dramatic than that, and certainly an economist would have many more numbers to say. But one of my favorite uh, seminars I went to, I was so excited to go, was this, I would say, world-renowned, certainly nationally-renowned economist who we had you know, been prepared and, and told about. the phone. So a world-renowned economist that was come to, to, to teach us about certain things. Man, was I excited. I came with my pen and, uh, pen and pad ready to take notes, which I did. And he went on for almost two and a half to three hours. And it was pages of notes and information that I was just gobbling up. I loved it. It was so exciting. Someone else may not think so, but that stuff just enthralls me. To understand what I love is stuff that's a day-to-day -day kind of decision for people that people don't understand. That's where I thrive. I love understanding that stuff because I like to teach it. I like to understand it so I can help other people. And that's my living, right? So this guy is so smart. And in the, the day, at the end of this two or three hour conversation, he kind of takes a breath and says, now, we spend a lot of time together. We spend a lot of information. But if you ask me what's going to happen tomorrow or next year, I've got a 50-50 shot. I can tell you what may or may not happen depending on this data, but we don't know. It's a 50-50. I pretty much threw my notes in the garbage can, appreciated that some information, and, and walked out the door saying, yep, that's kind of how she rolls. So now is that is that something that makes confidence? You're like, oh, my goodness. Well, people look for guarantees in life. I hear that all the time. Can you guarantee that? Uh, well, I'm up 99%. Is that good enough? You know, there's always that 1% that, gosh, I didn't see that coming. Or am I really approved for my loan? Uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty much 100% almost every time. Sorry, that's all bragging, but it's pretty much true. Still, you got to have 1% for that just in case something happens. But what I'm trying to say is, yeah, what's the economy going to be? 50-50. But if you look in history, which is one way to look at it, don't look at 1864. That information is not accurate for now. You look at, I wouldn't even look at 1980. I'd look at the last 10, 20 years, maybe, maybe the last 10, because it keeps changing. It's evolving. What's going on?
Now, just so you know, my personal viewpoint of this is yesterday I signed on my construction loan documents to build the spec house that I'm going to be doing. This spec house, by the way, is going to be between 2.2 and 2.5 million. Okay. That's a lot in my area. That's so this is in Midway, Utah. Midway, Utah has become a, a place where people come that with money. So it's definitely a higher income bracket. They'll pay for, pay more for it. So probably from Midway, it's mid, kind of a mid, slightly upper price point. But it's kind of, that's a, you know, million to two million is, is what it's going to be. So with that said, I'm saying that, yeah, it sounds like a lot of money, but it's also, you know, there's a house down the road that was, I think I was told 18 million. My house isn't that, but I'm just saying that, you know, okay, I, I made, I did my calculations. I have the coolest lot. I think in Midway that's available. The view is spectacular. It's right next to the golf course. All these variables that I go should be good. But here's what I also decided. Right now is not a good time to be trying to sell a house. But it's not a bad time to be starting to build a house. And if the recession lasts an average of 10 months since 1980, and my build time is somewhere around 12 months, my math says, hmm, by the time I roll around, Certainly, there's going to be people who are still thriving in recessions, by the way, and there's many people that make their money, killer money in recessions, that I'll probably have more people to have a higher demand in a year. Now, is that a guarantee? No. But I've done my math. I am prepared. I know I have some a backup plan. I have an exit strategy. I feel like I have a good relationship with my builder. I have even a partner who's doing it with me. So I have a lot of things I'm like, eh, I've got some backups just in case. Hence, preparing for a recession. I guess what I'm trying to say is the economy, never forget that the economy is what we're thinking about the way we spend our money. And we sit on the sidelines during a recession and we say, are you going to go? I don't know. Are you going to go? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I'm going to go. You're going to go. Are you going to go? I don't know. What do you think? And until someone steps forward and says, I'm moving forward, then that buddy or, or that person says, okay, well, if my friend does, then I think I will. And then the third person does, and then people start moving forward again, and then everyone starts doing it again, and then he comes back again. And we're like, oh, this is, makes us so happy. But in that particular circumstance, I ask the question, who's the person that's a little bit smarter, a little bit ahead? It's the person who understands recession, understands and prepares, I should say, and actually moves and prepares during that time. And the person that moves first, or during even, I should say, is ahead of the guy that, that moves 5th or 10th or 20th because the demand becomes higher, the prices go up. And you can say, well, yeah, but the rates go down. Exactly. What's more important in your purchase? Capital investment or, if you're borrowing money, interest rate? I'll let you think about that. What's more important? Capital investment, what you pay for it, the purchase price, or the interest rate? Which one's more important? Capital investment. That can't change. Once you've purchased a a car, once you've purchased a house, a larger item like that, that price is set. You can't go back and say, hey, never mind, seller, I changed my mind. I see the market's changed, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pay less for this house now or pay less for this car. You can't do it. So why don't you do it in more of a recessionary time frame? And then take advantage of when rates go up or down. Can you change your rate? Of course. That's what refinancing is all about. You analyze what are closing costs, what are they gonna cost to the savings. How long am I going to be in the home? You still do your math. Man, it's worth my time. You can save, you know, half, three quarters of a percent. Depends on your situation. Depends on how long you're going to be there. 
it's worth it to refinance, redo your loan. You can change your term, you can change your rate, you can't, but you can't change your capital investment. So I suggest that we don't get so caught up in what the rates are doing. We watch the market. We understand what a recession is. We understand how long they last. And then again, when I say we understand what a recession is, I just got done telling us that we don't really know until the end. And each person is affected differently. So what is your personal recession is maybe the, the question that you and I need to talk about. What is it that's affecting you? Do you have enough money in the bank to last six months, 10 months, 12 months? And is there a comfort level or is a, hey, I can get away with this? You know, myself, I was the last two years, just so you know, 19, 20, 21, 19, 2019 was my best year ever. I've done it for what, over 20 something years. 2019, I just killed it. And then 2020 came and guess what? I blew 2019 out of the water. And I was like, sweet. 2021 came around, I blew 2020 out of the water. I went millions of dollars more in business, in, in loan volume, I should say. 19, 20, 21. 22 came around and I went half, I went below 2019. Still did fine, but it was way below my best, right? Now I'm in 2023. I don't know yet. I'm in March. I'm not where I could or should be based on those numbers. I'm going to certainly have a lower year than those guys. My point I'm making, I knew, as I've known in the past, that when you have such great years like that, it always slows down. It always has some sort of recessionary effect, especially in my economy. In my economy, in mortgages, it's we're the first line of defense that people, you know, quickly make their minds up or quickly stop. I literally tell people, seems like, you know, it was August 3rd at 2.36. My phone stopped ringing. And I, I sort of joke when I say that, but I don't really. It's like they were ringing, ringing and then it stopped. What, what happened? Hey, I asked the office, hey, what happened? Did, yeah, their phone stopped ringing, huh? And then it stops for a while. It's just people get sidelined. People change their mind. I always tell people, too, that I said there's there's a frequency in the air that we all don't understand it, but we all act the same way. I get the same amount of the same type of loan. I get I get people who have bad credit come at the same time. I have people who are looking for jumbo loans at the same time. I've had three or four people the last name come at the same time. It's such an interesting phenomenon. And it's and it's like people, nah, really? And I'm like, I'm telling you. And then they come work for me and they're like, how does that happen? I said, I said, there's one. Oh, you got two. There's a third one coming. And it does. I have no data behind that as far as, you know, like this is how it works. I'm just saying it does. There's a frequency in the air that we all think. We all feel. And it's probably data on the news. It's probably just people start talking and start feeling. It might, and I, I also believe that it also depends on the weather. If we're feeling happier, if we're feeling more positive, we get some vitamin D, then we usually make some action that's positive. If it keeps snowing where we're at, people don't move as much. You just be aware of the weather. You be aware of what people are thinking. You be aware of certain things. You look at the past and you say, okay, I'm going to be prepared for this. And the prepared, by the way, isn't, please, in fact, I'll make this emphasis, prepare for the positive. Prepare for the stuff that's going to be great. Like for, for me, I had those three years in a row that were my best evers. Well, I went and did some things. I went and purchased some things I've always wanted. I've got some uh, investments that I did knowing that this is, I said, this isn't going to last. You know, I'm not going to be this number again, at least for a little while. So I went and get, uh, got and did and, and done some things so that, including buying a lot for the spec house, saying, you know what, I'm going to go into this slower time frame with this stuff prepared. I put my money, I know where my money went, I guess is what I would say. And then, yeah, during a recession, I'm going to build a house. At the end of the recession, is my assumption is I'll be able to sell that house. And sometimes during it, I'll advertise it the whole time through. 
By the way, we'll say if you're looking for a house in Midway, this is the most phenomenal house and location you'll ever get. If you can afford a 2.2 to $2.5 million house, we need to talk. <laughs> it's an amazing house. I told my wife, I said, uh, you know, worst case scenario, we might move in ourselves because it is that cool of a house. Our designer, uh, Bree Duncan with Midway Designs, she's like, maybe I should buy this. And she does, she's doing 18 houses right now. These are another pieces. I do a really nice house in a nice area that I know that people will want. These are some things that we do instead of always thinking to ourselves, oh, we just have to, you know, just eat potatoes and, you know, potatoes and a piece of hamburger and, and never go out to eat. And that was kind of a funny thing, huh? I'm trying to say eat cereal, I should say eat cereal and, and, uh, you know, cut this and cut that. Well, sure. You know, maybe you need to cut some things, but that makes it real negative. Remember, the economy is how we think about things. The economy is how we act. The economy is what we do about it. And those who prepare and those who look at a recession as, okay, it's a time to just adjust and think through it, are the ones that are going to be successful. And you go through three or four recessions in that mindset, it's a multiplier factor. You prepare yourself for the next time better than the previous time. And by that fifth recession, you are multiplying your assets, basically, as well as your happiness, I should say, or the way you look at things in a positive way. And then you have some stuff behind you too. You have some years saying, well, that worked out. So I'm going to do it again. And then the risk factor, yeah, it's risk. But then all of a sudden you see it work and you're like, you understand how to do it. That's the difference is people who are scared, people who are worried about things, they don't go do it right. They just don't. They step, they put their toe in a little bit, their toe in the water and they ah, it didn't work for me. I'm not gonna do it anymore. Well, you gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta, you gotta do it all the way and make sure you do it the right way. In fact, I'll finish with this. Uh, this is a little piece of paper that sits on the base of my monitor and has since I think it was 19, somewhere in the 1990s that I saw this. I cut out the piece of paper. Actually, I, it was on the internet. I printed it, cut it out on a piece of paper, and I put a little piece of tape over it. It's still that. I haven't even changed it or laminated it because I want it to always remain that authentic to me. And it was a question in MSN Money that said, you know, was, they were interviewing some very successful people, success measured by uh, businesses and financially. And they said, you know, what are the commonalities? What do these people have in common that we can maybe look at and say, I want to be more like that person. And the question was, have you found any commonalities among the people you've interviewed? Answer, their personality styles vary. Some are introverts, some are extroverts, but their belief systems around money are the same. That was the one thread that really helped me throughout the process. They all have a really positive relationship with money. They think about money in terms of freedom as opposed to the negative relationship a lot of people have with money. So I finished with that. I finished with the simple fact that recessions, they're not depressions. It is a time to pause and think. For me, I'm just kind of waiting on the feds. Right now, I have a very poor attitude about the way they've done things. I think it's been very not the way it should be done. With that said, I can't do anything about it. I know what I can do about it with myself, though. And I try and coach my clients, you included. Don't let rates decide what you can and cannot do. I always tell my kids, don't let 500 bucks or even a thousand bucks a month decide what you can and cannot do. And both, and they're self-employed people. So I'm like, go get another deal, go make more money, go, go find a place to make more money. And, and that's, you know, how do you solve your problems? Make more money. And so you can say, yeah, I need to just really hunker down. Sure. There's times when you say, okay, I don't need to be buying lots of investments or stuff, but the, the positive view of money, the freedom that it gives you. And I didn't even see, even especially during a recession is what will give you the multiplier effect to help you be successful in the long run.
So recessions, they're not that bad. They're actually pretty good. I'd be okay with it, especially a manufactured one like this one. It's manufactured. Oh, I got to finish with this. So a average time frame of recession is around 10 months or, or, or not quite 10 months since 1980. The time frame of the economy flourishing or being positive averages out to be 87 months. So be prepared for the positive, even more so than the negative. Put it aside, save your money, but just know that we're having much more positive eco economical situations, many more things that are good. Be aware of the good. Make sure you're taking advantage of it, helping other people out, being positive, giving to Communities and churches, those kind of things along the way, that all it all comes back. And then when the recessions come, prepare for the next step. Well, you and I, let's do this together. I'd love to have you call me, talk to me, email me. Let's chat. Let's talk about your particular circumstance. Let's help you get where you need to go. My whole job, I believe, is to help you gain personal wealth through real estate. Dollars and sensibility. This is Tom Stone with Guild Mortgage. Talk soon. Thanks for joining. This is Dollars and Sensibility, and I'm Tom Stone. Thank you for listening, and thanks for getting real with me. So next step is to answer your questions. Come see me, Guild Mortgage, 435-654-9979, or goapplastom.com.